This is Office Hours from Westminster Seminary, California. Call the show now at 760-480-8477. Email us at officehours at wscal.edu. Now, Scott Clark. Our primary mission at Westminster Seminary, California, is to prepare men for pastoral ministry. That's what we've been doing since 1980. We have more than 1,100 graduates serving the Lord across the globe and here in the U.S., most of whom are preaching Christ, His gospel, and shepherding His church. Daniel Garcia is a recent graduate of Westminster Seminary, California. He's also a graduate of Oral Roberts University, and he has his MDiv from Westminster, and he's serving as a pastoral intern with the Escondido Orthodox Presbyterian Church. He also served as a police officer in the Los Angeles Police Department for five years and the Escondido Police Department for three and a half years. Hi, Daniel, and welcome to Office Hours. Howdy, sir. Thank you. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Houston, Texas. I'm the oldest of four siblings. I did not know you were a Texan. Yes, I've sir. known you all this time. Yes. And you have never worn boots. <laughs> so you betrayed uh, your people. You haven't seen me wear boots. I do on occasion. (laughs) And do you have an appropriate Western hat? I do. I have a couple. So you've sort of left (laughs) me hanging here on campus, the only one wearing boots and a hat. Okay. And uh, what part of Houston did you grow up in? I grew up in an area called North Shore. North Shore, which is the east side of town. Okay. And in what kind of a house was it? Were you raised, for example, in a Christian home? Yes, sir. How would you describe it? Raised in a Christian home, grew up in the denomination Assemblies of God. That would explain how you got to Oral Roberts. Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah, my dad was a big fan of Oral Roberts. And when beginning to look at colleges, my family suggested Oral Roberts University, and that's where I ended up. And where did your siblings go there as well? or My sister, okay. um, she did end up going to Oral Roberts as well and graduated. Kind of a family yep. tradition of yep. Oral Roberts. And did you always believe, or are you conscious of a period in your life when you came to faith? I would say I grew up going to church. I do recall as a young child having the revivalistic experience of a child conference and going down forward. I I do remember that moment. Previous to my seminary education, I would have said that that was the point of belief. So you had the sort of traditional, by now, American Pentecostal experience. Yes, sir. So the whole nine yards. So Westminster is a very different place (laughs) from where you grew up. To say the least, yes, sir. We'll come back to that. How did you become interested in law enforcement? Do you have other law enforcement in family or? Not really. I was the first full-time. I had a grandfather who volunteered, but it wasn't ever anything that was a big thing in our family. You didn't become a Texas Ranger. No, I, I kind of wish I would have. It would have been a cool story. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the thought had really never crossed my mind to go into law enforcement up until the time that I actually applied. My intention after graduation was to go into the mission field. What was your major at Oral Roberts? It's called International Community Development, which can be used for a number of things, but my emphasis in that degree was missiological studies and hunger and education and resource training. So you're too young to have grown up with iconic characters like Jack Webb and Adam-12. You know, those are the staples of my youth. We watched Dragnet. I mean, Adam-12 was sort of a breakthrough, almost documentary of the Los Angeles Police Department as they both entertained the country and sort of rehabilitated their image after they had a rough period in the 1960s. 
Yeah. So how did you get connected? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did not hear about those stories. I now own the DVD collection of uh, One Adam 12. Though. <laughs> have you watched it? Of course, of oh, course. See, I have Marty Milner and Kent McCord in my head, so I can actually hear radio calls. Yep. You may know this, you may not. The uh, dispatcher that you hear in the beginning of Adam 12 was an actual LAPD dispatcher. Yeah, she's very famous. I think I did know that, yes, yeah. So how did you find yourself in Los Angeles, and how did you come to apply for work with the LAPD? I moved to California after graduating, and I worked construction. Really was not enjoying working construction, nor was I making enough money to really make ends meet. And so a friend of mine suggested as another way to make some money and have a fun job was, he said, either law enforcement or a firefighter. And I thought, well, maybe I'll try law enforcement. And I applied with the LAPD and also San Diego PD. And then I ended up just thinking, you know, LAPD, for lack of a better term, was just so much more sexier. So <laughs> I went up going to LAPD. There have been no television shows. Right, yes. San Diego PD. Exactly. About as close as you get is Simon and Simon, which yes. is a private detective. And the PD never come off well right. with the private detective no, shows. The, no. They were always made to look like bumblers. Yes. <laughs> saved by the, you know, the gallant professionals who don't have to obey the rules. Yep. All of that yep. stuff, yeah. So obviously you need a job and uh, I can see that, but that's a big decision to become a cop because it carries with it a lot of baggage and you probably didn't know that when you went into it. Well, I had been, as I do with a lot of things, I started researching, you know, what it's like to be a cop and what that lifestyle is like and did come across a guy that went to our church and uh, he had been with the San Diego PD. He retired after 20 years or so. And so I started talking to him what it was like to also have a family and and things like that. And so he was kind of giving me some of that background information. And so I, I began to realize that, okay, there's going to be some challenges to this. He had he had relayed to me one of his shooting experiences. And so I knew that there was some baggage to that, as well as difficulties with uh, having and maintaining a family and uh, all of those kind of challenges. So I was told about them, uh, you know, not really aware exactly what the impact of it would be until I later came in. But yeah, I did go in somewhat informed. And what was Academy like? Academy was a blast. I really had a lot of fun in the Academy. Right up until you had to get some uh, pepper spray in <laughs> right. your face. That was the least amount of fun. <laughs> but even that, I mean, because it was such a new experience, you know, it was just, it was a thrill. And were you tased as well? I was. All right. The listener might not know that, that uh, when officers go through Academy, that at the end, one of the things they have to do, or a couple of things they have to do, is to go through a gas chamber and breathe that stuff in so they know what it's like, and they get sprayed uh, full in the face with pepper spray. And it basically stays with you for you know, most of a day, and uh, there's nothing you can do to get rid of it. You just have to sort of live with it. Then they get tased. Yep. I took the whole five seconds. Yeah. They call that the full ride. Yep. They put the prongs far apart and they let them have it. So you know what that's like. Yes, sir. So now you've graduated and you complete your probation successfully. So you're right with an officer for what, part of a year or so? For a whole year, whole I was year. assigned to Rampart Division. Oh, okay. And that's a famous yes, division for a variety of ways. So an interesting time to be at Rampart when you were. Yes, sir. And now you're on the street on your own or you're riding with a partner? The time that you're on probation, you're mostly with a partner. And then afterwards? Well, the way that LA works is that you're normally, generally always with a partner. You're listening to Office Hours from Westminster Seminary, California. So now you are a devout 
evangelical, Pentecostal, Oral Roberts graduate in the middle of the Rampart Division as a police officer. How did that go? What did that do to your faith, seeing the things that you see as a police officer? Because you see, and the listener may or may not know, people oftentimes at their worst when they're in crisis. And um, sometimes you're helping and sometimes, well, in, in some way you're helping. Sometimes your help is appreciated and sometimes your help is not appreciated. Yeah, it was difficult. You know, again, I was raised in a Christian home, went to a private Christian university. In many ways, I would say, for lack of a better term, sheltered life. And then go into Los Angeles. You know, Los Angeles as a city is a crazy city. Uh, And then not only just it being a crazy city, but to be on the law enforcement side of it to, as you say, you know, to see a breadth of activity from humanity, the depth of craziness. So when you met a reformed person who talked to you about what we call total depravity, (laughs) it probably was easy for you to imagine, well, that could that could be true. Yes, that was that was the (laughs) easiest point of doctrine that I was able to say yes and amen to. So you're in contact with it on a regular basis. I wonder, as you were serving, did you ever read Romans 13 and reflect on it much? Did it affect you at all? You know, it didn't. And it's funny, as I was in classes here and then kind of getting the perspective that we have on, you know, roles of government and things like that, I think I would have been a much better cop. That's not to say that I was a bad cop then. It would have helped you understand what you were doing a little better. Yeah. I think I thought in that stream, but without the framework that we've been given. Didn't have the categories in a way of thinking about it. And so you transferred down to Escondido. What brought you to Escondido? Just opportunities or time to get away from L.A.? Uh, Yeah. Well, we had our first child, uh, and then that kind of started making me think, you know, question at least, do I really want to raise a family in L.A.? And my wife's mother was here in Escondido. And so it started to make more sense to be closer to her, to help out and things like that. Sure. It's nice to have grandma to do a little child minding. Yeah, exactly. As well as after being there for some time, I eventually got to a division called uh, Newton Division, which is in the South Central area of Los Angeles. I just started recognizing my own heart getting distant from God. And certainly as a police officer, my schedule was constantly changing and going to church was difficult. And again, recognize my heart was getting hard towards the Lord as well as towards other people. That's a real challenge for law enforcement, Christian law enforcement, because you, as I say, you see so much, you know, uh, corruption and you see people at their worst and, you know, you do deal with a lot of people whose first instinct is not to tell the truth. So you become suspicious of everyone and you start, you know, looking around, you know, if you walk into a restaurant and you see somebody sitting in a strategic place where they can see everybody, there's a possibility and, you know, where there's something behind their back, there's a possibility that's a police officer. Right? They've learned to look at the world in a certain way. So yeah, I can see the spiritual challenges. And as you say, the schedule changes. You know, most people don't change their schedule three or four times a year, but police officers frequently do. They're on third shift, which is overnights, and then they're on days, which could be 6 a.m. to you know, 4 or something, and then they're on second shift, right? And it rotates. So you're flopping around, and then there's overtime. So, and nurses deal with this, and physicians deal with this, firemen, of course. So first responders have to deal with this, and that makes it really hard to engage with a church and really be deeply involved in it because you're on call all the time. 
So you're in Escondido and you're serving as an officer, and then you ended up here. How did that happen? Tempting not to be too long of a story, a major event that occurred about six months after I'd gotten here, a friend of mine died. Uh, we were diving in uh, Mission Bay. You know, long story short, uh, he ended up dying that night. And uh, that was a very difficult time for me in terms of having lost a good friend, as well as feeling responsible for his death. I had a hard time with that. And I would say that that event began recognizing that my previous theological paradigm was not adequate to deal with this kind of event. I didn't have the categories really to begin to process what happened that night. That's really important, I think, that sometimes people think about theology as theory and esoteric. But you're telling me that theology was really important and you yes. needed a better theology to yes. be able to address one of the most basic and important things human beings ever address, and that is life and death. Yeah, and I would say even now that I would recognize it's not as if the theology would have made the pain any less, but again, my mind just could not move forward in processing this you know, and as many people attempt to be comforting during those kind of times that also lack theological acumen, you know, they would give all kinds of attempts to give comforting words that just, again, didn't really fit within any of my categories and at times could be harmful as well uh, or painful. So how did you encounter Reformed theology? Where did that happen? Because you were raised in the Assemblies of God. You were educated at Oral Roberts. There's a bit of a gulf between that background and where you are now. So how did you get from there to here? Uh, well, that event happened in 2010. And then in 2012, I injured my back catastrophically. And as I was going through physical therapy, I was at a coffee shop here in town and as I was there, I began thinking, again, this was a, another event that I was having a hard time registering how this could happen. And it started becoming clear that my career in law enforcement was going to come to an end because they were talking about retiring me, which was difficult. And so again, I began thinking, okay, well, I want to know how to think about these kind of things. These, again, the event of the death of my friend was still constantly on my mind, as well as now this injury. And I began thinking, I need to know the Bible better. And so I wanted to begin taking some classes. And I ended up meeting a student there at Kettle Coffee and Tea. I just saw that he had a bunch of books there. They look like theological books. And so I asked him, are you in school or something? And he said, yes, I go to Westminster Seminary, California. And as a police officer who had worked this side of town on the east side of Escondido, I knew that the school was here. I didn't know anything about it, but I just began to think, okay, well, logistically, this would be an easy way to take some classes. Before I began to be told that I was going to be retired, I thought that I was going to be going back to work. And so I initially thought I'd be able to take some classes here in the morning and then, you know, go on the swing shift and be able to maintain my job and just kind of chip away at a degree. And that's kind of my initial reflection as well as introduction that this was Westminster Seminary. For us as Christians, especially those who actually believe the Reformers got it right, it was nothing short of the recovery of the gospel out of the darkness of the Middle Ages. Mike Horton for Westminster Seminary, California. There's nothing more important than getting the gospel right and getting the gospel out. 
judge by those terms, the Reformation was the greatest recovery of Christianity and missionary expansion in the history of the church since the Apostle Paul. The Reformation is important to Westminster Seminary, California, because we purport to be trying to make experts in the Bible. Scripture is our focus here. At the center of the biblical message from Genesis to Revelation is God's redemption of sinners in Christ, the gospel. The Reformation not only clarified that message, but also was a flowering of biblical scholarship. Westminster takes the Reformation seriously only because it takes the scriptures seriously. And the Reformation was one of the greatest recoveries of scripture in the history of the church. We are reformed not because we want to belong to a tribe, but because we believe that this is actually the riches of scripture for the whole church. And it's not something that we possess, but something that possesses us. WSCAL.edu, 888 888- 480-8474, Westminster Seminary, California, for Christ, His Gospel, and His Church. But then your back isn't really going to recover fully to enable you, and uh, you are getting ready to go on the SWAT team. Yeah, I had just qualified. I had just passed all of the SWAT qualifications and been accepted on the team and had a couple of trainings under my belt and really, you know, excited to be on the SWAT team. That's somewhat of a career goal or or can be in law enforcement. It was for me. And yeah, I'd just gotten on the team and then was injured. So you're faced with another turning point. Now your career is coming to an end and you've got to do something else. So you're thinking about seminary. Yeah, as you know, again, as I was trying to process, okay, I'm going to be retired from a career that I love, but what do I do next? This is the only thing that I know how to do. I don't know how to do anything else. (laughs) But I began to think, okay, well, the only thing I've ever wanted to do besides law enforcement was going to ministry. As I said, my undergraduate degree was in missions. And so that coupled with wanting to receive uh, education, I began to think, well, maybe this is a possibility that a door could be opening that I would go into ministry to pursue training to go into ministry. How's your back? It's still it's still a problem. Okay. So you still have that thorn. <laughs> yes, sir. Where um, does the theological transition begin to happen? So it's one thing to begin exploring ministry and look at a vocational change, but you found yourself at a confessionally reformed and Presbyterian seminary in Escondido, which is some distance, not only geographically, but theologically and practically from a place like Oral Roberts. We have a tower here. It's not 700 feet (laughs) and uh, just a clock tower. And nobody that I know of, anyway, none of the staff or faculty have ever been up in it. I've seen no, and some I've fellas. looked for praying hands as well, and I can't seem to find any <laughs> okay. on the campus. And if Dr. Godfrey did go up into the tower, you know, we'd probably just call <laughs> Escondido PD. <laughs> right. Yeah. It became fairly quickly apparent to me that this was extremely different. I remember one of the first classes that we had to take was with uh, Dr. Horton. He had us read Introduction to Covenant Theology, and I had never even heard the term covenant theology. And, you know, very quickly he began in that book, he was saying how covenant is the structure for scripture and how God interacts with man and, and things like that, you know. And You must have noticed the chapel was different. Yes. Yeah. Chapel. I mean, the singing, everything, night and day difference. The prayer groups were different. Yeah. The way people prayed was different. 
the approach to when speaking to God seemed to be much more reverent and thoughtful. And I heard a lot more scripture being quoted while people were praying. And it was very different. So that must have been something of a shock. Yes. There were many times, especially in that first year, I was really questioning, am I in the right place? <laughs> <laughs> Lord, what am I doing? Yes. This is These people are yes. really odd yes. in some ways. Yes. But you stuck it out. I did. And you found in our own weird way that we really love you. Yes. <laughs> and that underneath what might seem to someone from the AOG and uh, Oral Roberts, a certain stiffness. Right. There's a certain formality sometimes to the way Reformed and Presbyterian worship and piety is conducted because we're not connected to American revivalism in the way that the AOG is. So there's a real yeah. culture shift there. Yeah, and still being in that first year, we were still going to Foursquare Church. Which must have made Bob Godfrey very happy. <laughs> yes. We have a living member of Sister Amy's right. denomination. So. <laughs> Yeah, so we were still very much connected to that expression. And one of the things that did impress me, if you will, would be that I saw in that first year, the professors, whatever point of the curriculum it may have been, when they began to talk about the gospel, when they began to talk about the work of Christ and the person of Christ and the work of salvation, you could see their love and their passion for the Lord. You could see emotion. It bubbled up from time to time. Yes, it did. It did. I didn't see anybody, uh, you know, running down the aisles or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> but yes, you could clearly see their love and their passion for the gospel as well as getting the gospel out to all nations. And here you are now, graduated from Westminster Seminary, California, and serving as an intern in an Orthodox Presbyterian church. Do you ever sit and think, how on earth did I ever get here? What an amazing turn. Because if somebody had told you 10 years ago or 15 years ago that one day you'll be serving as an intern in an Orthodox Presbyterian church, you would have said, what's an Orthodox Presbyterian <laughs> church? Exactly. What are you talking yes. about? Yeah. And if you would have shown me a video or something of what the service looks like, I would have definitely said, nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to do that. Yes. Yeah. And yet it's been a good thing, right? Oh, it's been a, such a blessing. And what are you thinking now about your future? You're an intern, so how long will you be an intern here in Escondido? It's the denominational one-year internship. So you have a chance to be mentored by Reverend Zach Keel, who does some teaching here on campus and is the full-time pastor of the EOPC. Yes, sir. You've just gotten started, but what have you learned so far? Well, actually, the internship hasn't officially started. It'll begin August 1st, but I've been an unofficial intern pretty much the whole time that I've been here. I should say that three years been as an intern there. What have I learned so far? Ministry is a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot, a lot of work. I definitely can say I've put more hours into ministry than I did as a police officer. You know, my police officer schedule was, you know, very set. You know, I clocked in, and then when my shift was over, barring any overtime, then I went home. And when I was at home, I didn't think about it anymore. And then the next day, went at least in. you tried not to, right? Yeah. And then my days off were my days off, but that's not so so far. So the lines are a little fuzzier yes, in ministry, and it is a challenge, isn't it, to sort of 
stop and to turn it off. And in a way, you never really get away. The congregation is always on your heart, always on your mind, and even on your days off, whatever you're doing, still, it's there. It's in the back of the mind. Yes, sir. Thinking about Mrs. So-and-so who's in the hospital and the conversation you had with that young person and, you know, is the bulletin being prepared? Yes, sir. <laughs> All of those things. That right. The um, recurring thing I would uh, worry about most on Sunday morning probably is, is the bulletin done? Or, you know, to come on, on Sunday morning and the bulletin wasn't done, it'd be a terrible thing. <laughs> You're listening to Office Hours from Westminster Seminary, California. So what are you thinking about your future? Where are you headed? What are you hoping? Well, I would say I'm still wrestling with or working through internal call and external call as I go through the licensure process. I'm in the middle of that. So I'm taking my exams, pursuing licensure in the denomination and I'm trying not to get too ahead of myself in terms of just going through the process. And I would say I'm still, even though it's been uh, four years since I was separated from law enforcement, for some odd reason, I'm still making that mental transition of, you know, when I was a police officer, I thought I was going to be doing that for 30 years and not doing that. It's still a transition in my mind of that I'm doing something different. You are still working with officers in some capacity, yes, sir. right? You meet regularly with officers to pray for them and with them? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm a chaplain for the Escondido Police Department still and continue to meet with officers and be a part of the program there. Which is a valuable thing for ministers to do in their local communities. For one, it can be difficult to find Orthodox you know, Christians to be a resource for police officers and to give them good, solid answers and counsel and comfort. And second, officers really do need someone that they can turn to because they do deal with a lot of very difficult things. And all those things leave a mark on those yes, officers. And, you know, cops need the gospel. So that's a beautiful thing. So you're still sorting out your vocation and you're yes, sort of testing yourself yes, in this internship. Well, that's a good thing. You served as a law enforcement officer for uh, eight and a half years. And as a law enforcement officer, as the title implies, your job is mainly bringing the law to bear on people's lives. Now you're preparing, we trust, to become a minister of word and sacrament. Relate those two things for us. It's very interesting, especially as I've gone through my seminary education and having a better understanding of the purpose of the law, as we see in Scripture, as well as the gospel, and seeing the law driving us to Christ. And we see the law exposing our sin, exposing the many ways in which we have rebelled against God and the many ways that we have failed to love one another. And so that it's as if failure is always before us. And likewise, as a police officer, I came in contact with people that uh, it was not their best day in which they themselves would say, yep, this was a mistake. <laughs> they had no problem recognizing this was a mistake. But seeing the glory of the gospel and seeing the obedience of Christ, the obedience of the law that we could not do, that even though failure is always before us, even as Christians, we continue to fail and to know such the relief, the good news of it, that it has not been our ability to give the obedience that is required of the law ourselves, but that Christ fulfilled it for us. 
that's one of the biggest points of appreciation that I have come away from seminary as well as the church that I now go to is hearing that Sunday after Sunday that the greatest points of appreciation from what the, the church expression that I had previously been in to what I am now, the concentration of the glory of the good news is it's awesome. As a police officer, you had to put people in cuffs and take them to jail, literally. I mean, not figuratively. <laughs> I mean, you literally took people to jail and you handed them over to the officers in the jail. As a minister, you get to stand up in a pulpit and say to all you who believe in Jesus, your sins are forgiven. Yes, sir. And you get to, as it were, as a minister, not that, you know, we're not Jesus, we're just ministers, but we get to announce his word and it's true and we get to set people free. Yes, sir. That's an amazing thing. It is. And then we have the privilege not only of announcing the word and studying it and expositing it, but in the sacraments, handing it to them, putting it on them in baptism and saying, here's a sign and a seal of what's true of those who believe and initiating people into the covenant community, catechizing covenant children, and then feeding them as we confess on the body and blood of Christ, right? Feeding believers and nourishing them and living with them and growing with them together really is an extraordinary thing that we get to do. It really is. Yeah. As you say, I took a lot of people to jail during the time that I was a police officer. And this opportunity to go into ministry and Lord willing, be a minister of the gospel, the contrast of, you know, taking people to jail versus getting to offer people freedom, uh, liberty in Christ. It really is a joy. And the short time that I've been involved in church ministry as an intern and the times that I've been able to be involved with sharing and preaching as well as sharing at coffee shops and things like that, it really is an amazing privilege to be a herald of the good news. Thanks for listening to Office Hours from Westminster Seminary, California. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe now to Office Hours in iTunes. Find all the shows at wscal.edu slash office hours. Copyright Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved.